Amen. Wel dan, goeiemorgen ook en uh, baie speciale welkom en elke met inskakel ons online dienst. Kerkfamilie kan ek ook vooral met de handen klap. Kom ons verwelkom ook net ons online gehoor. Baie, baie welkom. En, uh, ons is in ons derde week van Liefdesreeks 2023 en um, as jy vorige boodskappe gewis het, asjeblief gaan terug en kyk daarna, dit is rechtig nie moet die werd om te doen. En dan is het vir my verochende uh, my groot verantwoordelijkheid, maar ook my, my voorrecht om uh, ander verwelkoming te doen. En dit is om Mads, daar is al verochende aan julle voor te stel, Mads, if you don't mind joining me on stage. So Mads, uh, for those of you who do know Mads, I, I do feel you... Um, you would like to welcome her with a hand of applause. If you don't, do it in advance anticipation. So, Mads has been a great friend to our congregation. She has got an incredible ministry. Um, so if you want to look her up and want to see some of the resources available, uh, there are books available after the service, but Mads will say something about that. Uh, but you're welcome to go check out our website, edifybuildingthesoul.com. I, I got that right. Um, so please go look at it. Uh, you will see Mads again later in this year, and, and we will also make a point of inviting some of our group leaders and some of our youth leaders to do a, a training with Mads th later throughout this year. So there will be an opportunity, more than just ministry, but real training that Mads will provide. A, a ministry, uh, or a passion ministry, is not just counseling, but it is really uh, uh, equipping people and equipping counselors. And we're so thankful for that, and she's been a great friend to our church, and she's been serving the body of Christ in an incredible way. So I want to ask that we do extend our hands to Mads. I'm going to pray a prayer, and with that I'm going to hand over to her. Father, thank you for Mads. Thank you for the ministry that you've entrusted to her. Father, and for the word that you've placed on her heart this morning, we want to open our hearts. Let your Holy Spirit come and minister and apply this word in every heart and every life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much. It really is an honor to be here uh, as, a, as a pastoral counselor. Uh, I have been uh, equipping people in this space for I think only 20 years in ministry. Uh, and you know, just a little bit about, uh, this is a book that I had published uh, last year. It's called Care for Wholeness. And CARE is an acronym for Creating Authentic Restorative Environments. So how do we own our own spaces for healing? How do we invite God into that spaces? How do we lean into community for those spaces? So it captures a lot of my story and what God has showed me over the years from when I first went to counseling as a 16-year-old uh, and, and to the place of where I am today. So I'm really passionate about giving people tools to own their journey of healing and wholeness. But um, I'm excited about today because I want to speak into a space that generally we don't quite know how to handle, we don't know what to do with. Uh, and I'm speaking into the topic of how do we manage hope deferred and how do we manage unmet expectations when it comes to our dreams, for our, our status in life, for our marriages, for what we kind of hope life's going to play out for us. You know, I don't know about you, but, but we all kind of start off our journeys in life somewhere where we have this idea of like these dreams and these hopes of how we wish life's going to play out. Now, I think COVID put a stop to a lot of that. I don't know about you, but you know, everyone 2020 started off with this like, yes, you know, this is the year of 2020 vision and we're going to have an incredible year. And we had dreams and hopes even just for that year. And then everything comes grinding to a stop. Uh, and it's, and it's kind of hard because when we don't know how to manage hope deferred, we don't know how to manage unmet expectation, it kind of plays havoc with our emotions. 
And in life, we often have these pressures from society, from our peers, even from our parents on kind of how life should play out. And I want to speak into these spaces because often we find ourselves competing and comparing. Um, and we kind of look around us and go, well, this person seems to be so successful, but I seem to, you know, still be stuck in the starting blocks. Like I'm not kind of making any progress in terms of my dreams or passions for life. And I want to kind of start off by giving you a little analogy. If this, is, if this line indicates your birth and that line indicates your death, and this is your timeline here on earth, for most people, we have this kind of expectation that by, by this stage in my life, I've finished school and done well, and then by this stage, I've gotten into the university that I planned for, for my career, and then I meet the person of my dreams, and then they propose so romantically, and then we, we get married, and it's sunny, and it's perfect, and everyone's happy, and there's no fighting with in-laws, and, and then, you know, we, we have an amazing marriage, and my spouse always brings me coffee in bed, and never leaves socks on the floor, and we have kids that just listen, and then they, they do well at school and then we retire on an 80-foot yacht and, uh, and our kids have amazing grandkids that love us and then we die peacefully in our sleep. How does that sound? Perfect? You can insert your version there, okay. But this is what happens. We all have these dreams and aspirations on how we hope life is going to be. Make sense? And um, my story was... Uh, I was in my 20s and I had, you know, dreams and desires of meeting the man of my dreams and getting married and being a mom one day. And I remember every New Year's Eve, I would ask myself the question, I wonder if this is the year I'm going to meet the guy. Anybody ask that question? Can you remember back that far? <laughs> and then I got to my 30s. And I kind of got to the, my first New Year's Eve in my 30s, and I kind of started to get a little bit cynical, because I was like, I wonder if this is going to be the decade I meet the man of my dreams. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where it just feels like it just, it's just beyond our reach. And um, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of advice from the world that gets put on you. You know, maybe you should do this, or maybe you should be that, and maybe you should try more of this. And, and I've always been quite, quite tomboyish. I was never a girl that used to wear dresses and heels. I don't even think I own a pair of heels. And um, I, had, I had all sorts of worldly wisdom thrown at me around what I was doing wrong and why my hopes and dreams and desires weren't happening. I even had someone once say to me, you know, maybe you should buy a pair of men's underwear, keep it under your pillow, and then pray every night that God would fill it. I was like, that's just weird. You know, imagine if I eventually do meet a guy and he's like, whose are these? And I'm like, well, yours, if you play your cards right, you know. It was just too weird. I was like, no, thank you. And um, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard when our hopes and our dreams and our expectations don't play out. 
And there are a lot of comments that get thrown at us. You know, why aren't you married yet? Or why haven't you had kids yet? Or why haven't you made something with your life yet? And why can't you be the person that I hope you would be? You know, like you, you, were, you were this amazing person when I married you and you vowed all these things and now you're not who I thought you would. And we have all of these unmet expectations and dreams that just seem to leave us feeling in a space of despair. And I don't know about you, but often what starts to happen is these toxic thoughts come into our minds. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm unlovable. Maybe I'm going to always just fail. And these toxic thoughts start to lead to toxic emotions where we start to feel despair and hopeless and bitter and discouraged and powerless. And when we're feeling these kind of negative emotions, it's so easy to look for escaping behavior. You know, whenever we feel powerless, you will look for behavior that makes you feel powerful. But often that behavior is destructive. You know, if your spouse is not meeting your expectations, then we'll kind of dig in our heels or we'll throw temper tantrums and, and we start to sabotage the very things we hope for. How many of you, when you got married, you had dreams and desires of how your marriage would play out? And you made these promises at the altar of, I would vow to love you and cherish you and honor you. And then five years in, you're like, man, it feels like the vow was more like, I vowed to disrespect you and dishonor you until divorce us to path. Like, who is this person that I'm married to? And the interesting thing about our desires is that often what happens, especially in marriage, is that somewhere along the line, our desires in marriage shift to expectations. Where I, I expect you to be a certain person, I expect you to behave a certain way, I expect you to support me or communicate or serve me or whatever it is in this kind of, you know, certain behaviors. And the danger about moving from desire to expectation is that what starts to happen is that it turns your relationship into a debt-debtor relationship. You owe me because I expect you. How many of you pay off a bond or pay off a car loan? <clears throat> Does the bank desire you to pay them back or do they expect you? to pay them back. There's an expectation, isn't it? And if you do pay, do you get a letter of appreciation? Thanks so much for paying your bond. We really appreciate it. I was actually really surprised when, uh, when uh, the, what's it, Interqueni? No, that's KZN. What's the other one? For that one. Um, I actually got an SMS going, thank you for paying your water and lights bill. I was like, oh my gosh, you've just uh, destroyed my analogy. Because <laughs> generally when you, when you have to pay something, it's there's ver there's very seldom that you get letters of appreciation. And when you don't pay, what do you get? You get the letters of demand. You see, when we shift from a desire in our relationship to an expectation, we actually shift our relationship into a debt-debtor relationship where there's often very little appreciation and there's lots of letters of demand. 
You're not doing what I expect you to be doing. And it actually destroys intimacy and safety in a relationship. So what do we do with hope deferred? What do we do when the desires of our heart are not being met? When the dreams and the plans and the expectations of what we have for life are not happening? How do we manage those emotions without becoming bitter and hopeless and resentful and despairing? How do we, how do we deal with unmet expect, expectations in our marriage? I mean, I ended up getting married in my late 30s. I was about 35 when I first met my husband. You're going to meet him next week. I'm going to get up, up, up on stage next week and we're going to dig into to our conflict stuff. You know, when you get behind the scenes of people's marriages, we're going to go there next week. It's going to be fun. But anyway, but how do you deal with unmet expectations? Because I had all these dreams of what marriage would look like. And uh, when I met my husband, he was a widow. He had lost his wife and he had a son and, and his son was grieving the loss of his mom. And he took it all out on me for the first seven years of marriage. That was not fun. This was not meeting my expectations of how I hoped marriage would play out. But how do we manage all these emotions without becoming bitter and resentful and revengeful in these spaces? Proverbs 13 verse 12 says this, hope deferred can make the heart sick. And this is the space I want to speak into. The message version says, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. Or the translation, uh, the passion translation says this, hope deferred is the dream that seems to drag on and on. The delay that can be depressing. And as a counselor, I hear these stories all the time. Couples come in and they're just in despair because it's not playing out according to their dreams. It's not playing out according to their passions. And the biblical, uh, I want to also go to Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, where there's no vision, people perish. So if we don't have another way of processing these hope deferreds, it's very easy to perish. It's very easy to get to a place of despair. And the biblical definition for perish is to let go, to let loose, to show a lack of restraint. And it's so easy to allow our emotions to perish when our visions and our dreams are not being met. And this is the space that I want to dig into because you know what? When you're preaching into the space, you can't solve every tension dilemma that's happening in your emotional world. It's impossible to give advice to every dynamic that's present in the room. And there's going to be a range of emotions in this room right now. There are going to be some that are like, man, life's good for me. Like, we're in honeymoon mode. Like, everything's amazing in our marriage. And there's others that are like, are you listening? Because we need, a, we need some advice here. Because you know what? You're on your last straw here. <laughs> and so I want to kind of go, how do, we, how do we get a new lens for processing these tension spaces because scripture says clearly, in this world, there will be troubles. And in marriage, there will be troubles. And in relationships, there will be troubles. And, and it's like, we just want to almost eliminate the troubles, don't we? We want to avoid tensions instead of actually processing them through them in a healthy way. So the first thing I want to do is I want to give you the concept of zooming out. 
You see, when we intention spaces, we tend to zoom in and become fixated on what's causing the problem. But it's important that we actually first zoom out and get a bigger perspective of actually what this is all about. The problem with a narrow view is that we become fixated on what we can't control. You know, if I can just get my spouse to be more this, if I can just get them to pick up their, their socks off the floor and just put it in the basket, like it's so simple. If I can just get, you know, if I can just get, if I can just meet the man of my dreams, then I'm okay. And when we become fixated on what we can't control, it fuels these feelings of hopelessness and powerless because it just leaves us angry because we, we can't control many of these things. You can't make someone fall in love with you. You can't just make someone become tardy in their ability to manage socks on the floor. Whatever the conflict is, we can't always control. I mean, I've had so many people come into counseling without their spouses and like, you need to give me tools to help me change my spouse. I'm like, it doesn't work like that. And so we feel powerless. And when we feel powerless, again, it just fuels these feelings of fear. And it almost blocks our ability to think creatively. We become very rigid in our thinking and controlling. And then when I'm feeling powerless, I will look for behavior that makes me feel powerful. And you see this in relationships. Often what happens is there's only two types of behavior. There's maximizing behavior and there's minimizing behavior. I will start to hailstorm you. I'll become like a Jack Russell. I will nag you until you will listen to me. Or I will turtle you. I will shut down. I will push away. I will keep you at arm's length. And I'll unpack a little bit more of that next week. But this type of behavior becomes destructive to relationship. It doesn't actually make things better. It often ends up making things worse because they're quick fixes. You see, Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of the fool seems right to them, but the wise will listen to advice. You see, when I'm feeling powerless, I will lean into behavior that makes me feel powerful, but often that's destructive behavior. It's a quick fix behavior. So I want to give you a different lens to how do we manage the space? How do we manage hope deferred? How do we manage unmet expectations in marriage? The first point I want you to understand is that we were not created for this space. I'm going to say that again. We were not created for this space. But this space feels like eternity, doesn't it? If you're in conflict in your, manner, in your marriage, it feels like it's never ending. It feels like it's never going to uh, get anywhere. And when I was in that place of singleness for 15 years, it felt like eternity when you're waiting for your dreams and hopes to be met. But the reality, if this is eternity, a line that has no end, our life here on earth is a mere dot in the context of eternity. So the first point is that we need to have a zooming out perspective. We need to start to understand that actually our life is not just about what happens between here and here. Our life actually is about what happens here. It's an eternal perspective. Then when you, when you start to grasp the eternal perspective of why we're here, take whatever conflict or hope deferred you're dealing with right now, and make that struggle you're dealing with right now 
a dot inside the dot of your life. Let's right size our wrestles. Because I said to God, you know what? Like, how do I manage, like, I mean, this was when I was single. I said to him, how do I manage hope deferred? Because the last thing I want to do is get to the life when I'm now 80, I'm still single, I'm going to be... I'm going to be bitter with purple hair and lots of cats. I was like, God, you've got to give me a handle for managing this emotion because I feel powerless right now over that singleness period. Or maybe you're in your marriage right now and it just seems like a never-ending conflict war zone. I mean, for the first seven years of my marriage, that's what it felt like. There was this constant tension because of grief and loss of a mom and the tension of blended family and step-parenting, and it was hard. I was like, man, God, I've been faithful for my single years. I didn't sleep around, and now I get married, and it's meant to be, yay, the answer to my prayers, and it's just hard. Like, how do I manage these emotions? And God said, your life is not about here. Your life is about investing into here. And I was like, well, how do I do that? How do I, what does that look like? Colossians 3 verse 1 to 4 says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is your life is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. The NIV says, set your mind on things above. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18 says this, so therefore do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, now when you're in light and momentary troubles, it doesn't feel like it, does it? When I reflect back on those years, it feels like an eternity ago. I look back and go, man, it, it actually was light and momentary troubles. But when you're in it, it's overwhelming. And this is where you've got to hold on to promises of truth. Because those light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You see, we've got to start off with a zooming perspective. God showed me, you know what, you need to live each day going, God, give me eyes to see your perspective of what I'm struggling with. It's the same as when you're in school and you're going through exams. It just feels like forever. But when you're the parent looking at your child, you're going, you know what, it's going to go like that. That's perspective. God the Father is saying the same thing to us. From, a, from his perspective, what you're going through now is nothing in comparison to what's to come. So why are we actually here on earth? What is the meaning for this space here? And the meaning for this space here is that we're called to be ambassadors of Christ. We're called to be messengers of hope. We're called to be Christ's hands and feet to a world that is broken and struggling. Because if we're struggling with hope deferred, I'm telling you now, people out in the world there who have no hope is even worse for them when there is nothing to hold on to. God knows the truth about this space. Listen to Matthew 6, verse 19 to 20. It says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths 
eat them and rust destroys them and where breaks where, where thieves break in and steal but store instead treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and where thieves can't break in and steal you see i remember when i went through many of those wrestling years the thing that got me through each day was the simple prayer lord help me see your hand in this Help me see your perspective of the wrestle that I'm going through right now. Show me what you need to do, what you need me to do in this moment right now as I'm going through the wrestle. Because we all want the quick fix, don't we? We want to look for the eject button. We just want to get out of it because it's uncomfortable. But God wants us to persevere through many of these spaces so that we can share testimony of the goodness and the faithfulness of us. But you see, the problem is that we've lost an eternal perspective. For me, life here on this earth is like camping. Does anybody dislike camping like I do? Any, any non-campers? You'd rather go glamping, not camping. <laughs> you see, the only great thing about camping is that you know that in, in a week's time, you're going home to your bed. You know, where, where the toilet is literally three meters away from you, not three kilometers away from you. Because <laughs> God says, this is, a this is a tent. How many of you over 40 are like, man, it sucks to get old. Someone once said to me when I was in my 20s, look after your body because when you get 40, every past injury will come back to say hello. Oh, you're like, and then you turn 40 and you're like, oh, it's true. It does come back to say hello. And so there's this tension because even the body I live in is in death and decay. But yet my spirit is being renewed. So I still feel like I'm 20, but my body is like, no, it's actually close to 50. And it's, can you feel the tensions? And these are the tensions that I'm speaking about. We can't eliminate the tensions. We've got to manage the tensions with truth. So scripture says we've got to set our minds on things above. I was created for something more than just my wrestles right now. Just more than what I'm struggling to. And you see, how we manage these spaces is all about a heart posture. How am I managing my heart? Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. If I allow the unmet hopes or unmet expectations to make me bitter, then what is the purpose of me even being here? I live in a broken world. I'm not going to eliminate that. My spouse is not going to be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect. My kids are not going to be perfect. We have a saying at home, am I right, Leva? If you fluff it, you what? You fix it. Why? Because we're not perfect. But Christ in us is the hope. So how do we manage these spaces? How do we go, okay, I'm messing up, they're messing up, but how do I persevere through this despite our tensions? It's about a heart posture. When I was wrestling through my singleness and even in some of those hard spaces in my marriage, I asked God, I said to him, you've got to give me a hope handle to hold on to as I persevere through valley moments. Because we're all gonna have valley moments. And he said, he gave me one simple thing to do every single day. He said, all I want you to do today, Mads, is wake up and ask me one question. I was like, God, what is it? I need something to hold on to. 
He said, all you need to do every day is wake up and ask me, what can I do today to honor you and invest in your kingdom? That is it. There's no magic pulls. There's no quick fixes. All God wants us to do is to be faithful to our moment. You see, when you wake up today and you ask God the simple question, what can I do with my today to serve your kingdom? and I invest in eternity. Then what do I do the next day to serve your kingdom, invest in eternity? And what do I do the next day? And if you keep spending every single one of your days waking up asking that simple question, Lord, how do I best honor you today that invests in your kingdom? God will take you on the most incredible journey and he will give you everything you need for your today. You see, God says, don't worry about anything. And you know when you're in worry, that's the worst piece of advice you want to get given. When someone goes, you know, don't, the Bible says don't worry about anything, pray rather. When someone tells you that and you're in worry, you want to clap them, don't you? You're like, that doesn't feel like it's helping me right now. But let me explain why it does help. Worry puts our minds either in the past of regret or the future of fear. There are two spaces we actually have no control over. And it fuels feeling of powerlessness. If I spend my life worrying about who my spouse should be or who my kids should be or what I shouldn't have done or what I could have done, it actually just fuels further feelings of powerlessness. And that just makes my despair and my hopelessness even worse. Because the enemy is going to just... He's going to milk you in those two spaces going, you know what? You failed. There's something wrong with you and you should have done this and you didn't do this. And he's just going to throw all sorts of mental assaults at you. Scripture says rather, instead pray. Now, prayer is something I can do in the present. It's something that, is, that can make me feel powerful in the right here, right now. It grounds me in the moment. When I wake up each day and go, right, Lord, I'm in, I'm in a war zone today with my children. Or I'm in a war zone today with my hopes for the future. I'm in a war zone today with my spouse. And I feel powerless right now. I don't know what to do. So then I start grabbing at straws. I want to shout at my kids. I want to yell at them. None of those things are going to help. Pray. Invite God into that space. Bring him into your emotion, into your thoughts, into your behavior, into your reactions. Go invite him in because it's, a, it's something that you can do that is powerful in the moment. And when you start by understanding that a zooming out perspective is going to help you process a zooming in day by day purpose. Because that's what I do have control over. All we have control over is right now, what I do with my now. And when you invite God into that, he starts to give you the, the capacity to get through your day. I once counseled a mom who lost both her children in a five-year time span. How do you even begin to process that kind of pain? the hope deferred of the dreams of attending their marriages and being a grandparent to your, your kids. One, You've lost both. How do you manage that kind of pain? And I asked her the question one day and I said to her, how many times have your children been on sleepovers and playdates? She said, oh, all the time. I said, did you ever grieve those moments? She said, no, never. 
I said, because you see, we weren't just created for this space, but in, in the context of eternity, our life is a simple day in the span of eternity. I said, you're living in the dark night of the soul, but joy will come in the morning. I said, so where we're in tension spaces, when we're in grief spaces, when we're in def hope deferred spaces, this is not our eternity. This is not our forever. In the context of eternity, it's literally a night. We need to have a kingdom perspective to manage day by day. Matthew 6 verse 31 to 34 says this, so don't worry about all these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows what you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. And this has been my testimony. I've had years of just hope deferred and tensions. And God has showed me, if you're just faithful to your now, if you seek my kingdom in your now, I will give you every desire of your heart. And it doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. God is a good God. So live faithful to your day. Don't wait to meet the person of your dreams before you become the best version of yourself. Start now. Don't wait for your spouse to become the person of your dreams before you start loving them. Love them now. Don't wait for your kids to become the best version of themselves. Like just love, be faithful to your now. And let me just say this as we come into land. To those of you who are single, your value is not based on your status. Who you are is not defined by whether you're married, dating, or still single. Your value is based on the fact that you're a son or daughter of the king. That's it. And if you're in a marriage that's in conflict and tension and it feels like your spouse doesn't care, your value is not based on the behavior of your spouse. Don't let their behavior def to define your worth. Your value is based solely in what, the God, in what God says you are, that you're a son or daughter of the king. So how do we deal with unmet expectations in a healthy way? Well, let me just say this. Your spouse owes you nothing. Just let that sink in. What does your spouse owe you? The answer is nothing. Ephesians 5.21 says, this is speaking to both the husband and the wife. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. In other words, what has Christ done for you? Everything. What is our heart's gratitude to Christ? Like we, we, we owe him our lives because he's literally died for us. I mean, if somebody had to pay off all your debt right now, you would have a posture of gratitude to the person. That's our posture of gratitude to Christ. He's done everything for us. Christ is saying, take that heart of gratitude and give it to your spouse that is undeserving. Love on them. So they owe you nothing. But just pour out everything to them because of what Christ has done for you. I want to end with one final thought. Romans 12 verse 2 says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And the behaviors and customs of this world says, you know what, if your spouse is not performing, then get a new one. It doesn't work. 
Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. And then it goes on to say this, but let God transform you. There are times in our lives when we're struggling with hope deferred and unmet expectations and our emotions are just raging. Those are the moments that we need to push into God and let God do some kind of transformation in our hearts. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We've got to change the way we think about our wrestles and our struggles. We've got to have a kingdom perspective of why am I here? My hope that as I persevered through those years of wrestle with my stepson, where he was pouring out his revenge of grief onto me, is as hard as it was, was to keep loving and to keep loving and to keep being Christ. Now, there's a difference between boundaries and loving. I always say emotion is like vomit. There's a big difference between vomiting on someone and vomiting in a bucket. There are times we do have to put boundaries in when someone is abusive in their emotion to you. But you can still love someone and put a boundary in. I love you, but I will not accept abuse. It's a big difference there. But I ask God, help transform my heart because I don't wanna just be another evil stepmother and just get revenge back. And it's easy to lean into that space, isn't it? When you're angry and you're hurting. But let God. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the, girl, of the world. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. And the third point is, and then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So don't copy. Let God learn to know. That has been my journey. I didn't want to copy the ways of the world by just dating because it was easy and quick. I wanted to wait until I was pure. I was a virgin until 35. I was like, Lord, please don't make it until 40. <laughs> but people start looking at you weirdly, like, is there something wrong with you? Don't copy the behaviors of this world. Let God into your daily emotional wrestles. And as you do that, you will learn to know that his ways far exceed the world's ways, that he is a good God. You see, the space between hope deferred and unmet expectation and living a desire fulfilled, because when you go back to that Proverbs, Proverbs 13 verse 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is the tree of life. You see, when you start to align your heart to God's, then you start to see your dreams fulfilled. It may not be overnight, but it will happen. And that's my encouragement to you this morning so I don't know where you're at and I want to just invite God into this space right now if you're needing some encouragement if you're kind of going hey I'm swirling right now in painful emotions don't you want to be brave and stand up so we can pray for you because you're not alone I know that there's lots of painful emotions in this room right now I'm a counselor <laughs> I deal with this every day. So if you're struggling, I'm not gonna make you declare what it is, but if you're struggling with, with hope deferred emotions or unmet expectations, don't you wanna stand right now? Thank you. And we're gonna just ask God to pray and meet you where you're at. Thank you. We don't have to deal with this alone. God's got you. He's a good father. If someone is standing near you, don't you wanna just reach out your hand? You can stand with them so they feel like they're not alone in this journey. 
Because there's nothing worse than being alone in our painful emotions. So stand up, lay your hands if you want to on someone that's, that's experiencing that pain right now. And Father, we just pray right now for your peace. Won't you fill each person present here that is just feeling so alone in these emotions, won't you fill them right now with a deep revelation that you are for them, that you are with them, that all things are possible through you. And so Father, I just pray for an infilling of courage and hope and healing and a deepening revelation that they are loved by a good, good Father and that you will give them exceedingly more than they could even ask or imagine as they lean into you. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Mads. Um, with that, of Damia, groet ons dan ons online gehoor hier. Ek sien jou, ek veronderstel baie mens wat hier was, gaan hier die dienst later online kyk, weer kyk, want dit is nie moet die waard om te doen. Die sien soveel gedeel Dus dankie, moeite waard, ek wil jy eindelijk aanmoedig om of die podcast of die online dienst weer te kyk, ek kan dit natuurlijk doen op Facebook of op YouTube, of ons online gehoor, die Heere Seenhele.